0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to you, depending wherever you are located at the moment. My name is Mark Behrendt, Global Head of the Employment and Benefits Team at Ellen & Overy and a partner of the employment team of Ellen & Overy based in Hamburg in Germany. A very warm welcome to everyone who has joined our call from across the world today. I'm delighted to be joined today by several of my global employment colleagues. Let me introduce you to them. Now we have their I hope um, now we have Sylvia um, from Spain, Sylvia Balza, We have Robbie Sinclair from our London office in the UK. We have Livio Bosotto from um, Italy, Gilles Delagnol from Luxembourg, Brian Jepp from the United States, Arnold Kaiser from the Netherlands, Susanna Nunk from Hong Kong, Olivier Picquery from France, and finally Inge van der Ecken from Belgium. This is the fifth in our series of global calls looking at the workplace developments and risks associated with COVID-19. Our previous calls were recorded and we are recording this call too. Details of where you can find all of these recordings will be circulated to you in the next day or so. Our big topic for this week is how employers are managing the return to work. We are going to look at how the return is progressing across different jurisdictions and how the associated risks are being managed. We'll also look at engagement with employee representatives as organizations transition back to the workplace. Finally, we will consider the employment issues associated with home working and how employers can best manage them. And finally, we'll share some experience from a country which is already ahead of us when it comes to returning to work and returning to the new normal, which is China. As with our previous calls, we are going to run the call today in a question and answer format. So now, now, let's get started. The first topic, I think, is a very general one uh, where we would like to hear a few words from each jurisdiction. How it is at the moment in your country? How is the return to work progressing in your jurisdiction? What are the main obstacles? Maybe let's start with Olivier and France. France, Um, Olivier, how is it in, in France at the moment? How is the returning to work progressing?
1: Thank you very much, Mark, and hello everyone. Well, return to work in France is a work in progress, to be honest. For now, France is still divided in two separate areas, green zones, which cover almost the entire country, and orange zones, which are now limited to the greater Paris area, Mayotte and Guyana. In orange zones, reopening of public facilities are delayed until the 22nd of June. However, with regard to the working place, home must still be favored if the employee's position allows for such work arrangement, of course. The Ministry of Labor has published uh, national guidelines for companies to properly implement home working after the end of the lockdown. When home is not possible, companies must rearrange employees' working hours in order to limit the number of employees present at the same time in the premises and in public transport and implement health and safety instructions published by the Ministry of Labour for different business sectors and consult the staff representatives in this respect. For now, we have not seen a massive return to work, apart from some smaller companies. Also, there has been less litigation and difficulties between employers and trade unions compared to a few weeks ago, with the Amazon litigation being the most visible example of these difficulties. Uh, Moreover, the partial activity or furlough scheme has been adjusted by the French government with a decrease of the state refund. And there is a growing concern amongst the population and amongst employers. As furlough starts to dissipate, companies are starting to actively think about potential large-scale restructurings, some that were put on hold before the pandemic hit, and others which are a direct result of the financial losses from COVID-19. So as a result, there is a general fear that the national unemployment rate will rise very soon in France.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Olivier. Arnold, what about in the Netherlands?
2: Yeah, thank you, uh, Mark. Uh, The the Netherlands applied a um, so-called intelligent lockdown. which means that apart from certain sectors, such as uh, contact professions, gyms, and the cultural sector, businesses were not actually required to close down. In practice, though, many have. Um, Since June, the Netherlands is seeing a gradual easing of restrictions on schools, the cultural sectors, bars and restaurants, and with that, we are also seeing businesses starting to allow staff to, uh, to return to work. What's interesting to the Netherlands is perhaps the relative lack of governmental guidance on the return to work. Other than some other jurisdictions, it has no detailed prescriptive guidelines. The general advice remains that people work from home as much as possible until at least September. And if staff go to work, um, the advice is to avoid rush hours and, of course, at the workplace to apply social distancing. Um, with appropriate hygiene measures also being put in place. But these general guidelines don't answer many practical questions on how to actually create a safe working place. Uh, As a result, in practice, we see a large variety on how employers deal with this. Looking at offices, uh, some are still closed, others have a skeleton staff or work with a small pilot team, and others, again, have open completely, but work with uh, split teams. Now to fulfill um, an employer's duty of care, employers are well advised to look at guidelines from other sources than only the government. And I name a few important ones. Uh, Employer organizations in different sectors are now putting together corona protocols, and these can be accessed through a recently launched website. Occupational safety and health organizations have issued detailed guidelines uh, on the return to work. And finally, for offices, important so-called NEN norms have been published two weeks ago, and these are particularly helpful as it contains detailed norms on how to configure the office, including actual measurements. So in summary, Dutch are returning to work, practices vary, and guidelines and advice drawn up by organizations outside government are a very important source to uh, to consult for companies mark thank you
0: very much arnold very interesting um so netherlands takes obviously um, a different approach than quite some other countries so italy i think italy is pretty much very different from from what you just described Arnold. livio can you share
3: some insights on that Yes, indeed. Thank you, Mark. I think that the situation in Italy is um, very similar comparable to France. Uh, we are now leaving uh, a so-called phase two of the lockdown, so we are, I mean, uh, all, many activities have already opened, and as from the next Monday, basically almost all the activities, including cinema and public sports, uh, will be entitled to reopen, obviously within certain limits in terms of safety and social distance. Um, in this situation, we can identify uh, three main areas of issues which characterize the return to work. Number one, the home working. The home working continue to be really encouraged. Uh, for many companies, especially big groups of companies in certain business sector, the home working is now or is becoming the new normal way to work. And the recent Italian decree entering into force as from 17th of May has introduced a specific right to work from home or in flexible way for all the employees with children younger than 14 years. And this is a very important aspect of the new, uh, of the new decree. The right is for the moment guaranteed until the end of July, which by the, by the way is for the moment the end date of the pandemic emergency in Italy. But we expect a possible extension of such rules also for the short medium term. Number two, health and safety issues remain um, an important issue to return at work. The, in Italy, we have a very precise protocol to follow, and the employer are also supposed to implement its own, their own health and safety policies, reflecting what is set out in the public protocol signed by the Italian government and the unions at the national level. By I mean uh, between the other among the uh, the most important provisions we have to um, uh, to mention for example the suspension of all the transfer and mobility and travel for the for the employees and number three the preparation of redundancy as you know in Italy we have currently a ban to dismiss employees at the moment this ban is until 17 of. uh, August. Therefore, uh, we see uh, an intensive preparation of possible redundancy or restructuring plan to be implemented after this date. But just today, I read in the, also in the newspaper possible announcement of the government to extend this ban of dismissal until the end of the year. So I think that uh, we will see uh, and we will have many news in the coming, uh, in the coming months. Mark.
0: Thanks a lot, Livio. Um, very interesting as well. Let's jump a little bit uh, outside of Europe. Uh, Brian, uh, how's the status in the US?
4: Yeah, thanks, Mark. So in the US, um, the pandemic has definitely loosened from you know, how it was at, it, at its worst, particularly in the states in the Northeast that was hit by the pandemic very badly. Every state in the US has now is now at um, a stage of returning to work. Um, The the states in the northeast are behind the other states, but every part of the US has some degree of opening up uh, and some are totally opened up. Uh, Employers in the US need to follow um, both federal guidance from from OSHA as well as the CDC in in their return to work practices, but also they have to follow state guidance. Um, And unlike, you know, uh, for instance, what Arnold was talking about in the Netherlands, in the US, it's very detailed guidance that employers need to follow. So for instance, in New York, where where I live, um, all employers must create a detailed uh, mandated safety plan, which must be posted to all employees if you're gonna return to work. And that has a number of criteria. Um, It needs to to cover physical uh, distancing protocols, in New York, only 50, uh, an office can only be open um, of up to 50% of the maximum occupancy for employees. There needs to be personal protective equipment. They need to create hygiene and cleaning protocols. They need to create COVID screening and testing protocols. There needs to be contract tracing for any positive results of employees. Um, and there needs to be a site safety monitor to oversee uh, the policy. And it's important in the U.S. to remember, given the U.S. is a litigious country, there there has been a rise in in litigation against employers who employees have alleged have not provided a safe system of work. So there's been there were some cases in the past against Walmart and some big employers. And this week there was a class action claim filed against McDonald's. So in the US, it's important for all employers to follow the guidance, both the federal and state guidance, and to follow it kind of strictly, otherwise there is always that that risk of litigation here.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Brian. Another big jump, Uh, Susanna, what about China?
5: Yes, uh, uh, thank you, Mark. In China, in principle, principle, employers uh, have been back to work for quite some time. Everyone is adjusting to a new normal, and there is still travel ban against foreigners. Um, The the focus of the government is now to stimulate the economy and to maintain workforce stability. Uh, The government has previously put in place policies to encourage businesses not to put people out of work. Uh, In China, a substantial number of businesses have been taking advantage of the social insurance refund policy in return for the agreement not to have a great income reduction. Similarly, uh, across the border in Hong Kong, the government also introduced employment support program, and quite a lot of businesses are doing their math to calculate if it is better off to apply for wage subsidies as an alternative to redundancy. Um, Having spoken to a few uh, HR professionals recently, I think uh, the general concern is that uh, there won't be an indefinite government support and businesses will still need to find ways to adjust to um, the the, the structure in the longer run. uh, And then otherwise, uh, there can be like a a wave of redundancy uh, in the longer run. Uh, another observation is that uh, in China, the number of labor disputes have gone up uh, since the, the spread of the uh, virus. Since I, I think uh, the reason is that workers would like to see if they can make use of the employment ca- claims as their last resort so that they can receive better separation packages after being let go by the employer.
0: Thank you very much, Susanna. Um, Gilles,
6: uh, jumping back to Europe, how does it look like in Luxembourg? Thank you, Mark. Um, For Luxembourg, companies have started as well to deconfine their workforce. Most employers would divide their stuff into several teams which alternate their presence at the the office. For those who um, are not at the office, obviously, remote working continues to be the uh, appropriate solution and this is in line with the government's recommendation to rely as much as possible on remote working now for uh, cross-border commuters which make up a substantial fraction of the luxembourg workforce this creates a specific tax and social security risk in fact if they work too much from their country of residence they risk that uh, they become taxable and um, that they become subject to social security in their countries of residence. For the crisis of the COVID-19, the Luxembourg government has agreed with the uh, three neighboring countries, so Belgium, France, and Germany, on a a specific exemption, which meant that um, days that were carried out remotely in Germany, France, or Belgium were counted as days in Luxembourg, However, this specific rule will probably come to an end over the next months. Nobody knows exactly when it will happen, either before the summer holiday or shortly thereafter. But um, in any case, companies will be faced with a very interesting choice. They, In our opinion, they really have three options. The first one is to say, well, we um, ask people to stay at home and um, to bear the negative tax and social security consequences themselves. The second option would be to say, we ask cross-border commuters still to stay at home, but we take over part of the financial consequences uh, of these negative tax and social security consequences, which may in practice be extremely difficult to calculate. And the third and last option would be to say, we ask only cross-border commuters to come back to the office Uh, and ask Luxembourg residents to continue to work remotely, which may lead to discrimination claims. So um, interesting choices to be made by companies over the next weeks, and it's a a topic we'll closely monitor. Back to you, Mark.
0: Indeed, indeed interesting. And that's, I think, a pretty unique um, uh, topic for Luxembourg, where you have so many um, uh, people working in Luxembourg and living outside of Luxembourg. I think in the U.S., that, that, um, uh, Brian, you will um, discuss that topic as well later on. Um, okay, Inge, what about Belgium? What is um, what is the current status there?
7: Hi, Mark. Well, since early May, there has been a gradual return to work in Belgium. And although work still remains the norm, companies have been able to restart their activities by taking into account a series of health and safety recommendations. And our social partners and the authorities have agreed on a number of measures to ensure such a return to work under safe conditions. And in particular, they have issued a generic handbook uh, of 50 pages on how to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in the workplace. And this handbook is complemented by a range of sector-specific guides. A hot topic remains whether an employer can perform health checks. Because under normal circumstances, such health checks by the employer are not allowed in Belgium. But in the context of the COVID-19 outbreak, some have argued that employers may do temperature checks subject to strict conditions to be satisfied. And in this respect, the Belgian data protection authorities has taken the view that GDPR rules do not apply when the temperature is taken but not recorded, because in such case, they argue that there is no data that is processed. And until recently, the Belgian Ministry of Work also seemed to take the position that under some conditions, temperature checks could be allowed. But however, in a new position, it has now set an additional condition that temperature checks are not allowed unless the procedure to do so has been agreed on in the work regulations. And this means in practice that in order to be able to do temperature checks in the company, the work regulations will need to be amended following the standard procedures. And that involves discussion with the Works Council or if there is no Works Council with the employees themselves. Thanks.
0: I think that the Works Council, Inge, um, the Works Council topic we will discuss about uh, later on in more detail. Thank you very much. Robbie, London, Thank you. What's the status in London right now?
8: Yeah, um, uh, coming from a, a Northern Irishman, I think the first thing to point out is, is that is the differential between whether you're in England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland. Um, so depending on which country you're in, in the United Kingdom, you'll have slightly different guidance. But the main point remains that, uh, particularly for for office workers, the government's guidance is very much that if you can possibly do your work from home, you should do that. And that has been taken um, extremely strictly uh, in terms of uh, most of our clients and and most firms in London. Um, So the main thing that we're seeing from our clients is really gearing up for for the return to work in the coming months. And the, uh, similarly to uh, to Brian in the US, uh, everyone needs to have a risk assessment. And most of our clients are going through the, the process of um, forming the risk assessment, looking at things like um, office configuration, whether individuals will be required to wear face masks, um, whether temperatures will be checked on the way in, um, if they're sharing their building with, with other uh, firms, liaising with them. Um, and also thinking about what the capacity will be like in the office i think that most organizations will be starting uh with a uh with with around 20 percent of the workforce revolving around so it's it's that risk assessment it's um it's publishing the results of the risk assessment online which you're required to do in the uk and also consulting uh with health and safety reps so i think that's that that's really the the thing that most of our clients are focused on um, in terms of looking ahead I, I think one thing that's come up in recent weeks is that a lot of firms uh, made uh, commitments to their workers that there wouldn't be redundancies by a certain point. A lot said there wouldn't be any redundancies, say, by the end of summer. Um, But there's definitely an uptick in terms of the number of clients that are looking to uh, to make redundancies, maybe Q3, Q4. And I think if you combine that uh, with the return to work, um, I think that's where there'll be a lot of um, sort of ER issues uh, coming towards the end of the year, uh, particularly in terms of whistleblowing and, and and raising health and safety concerns, which we'll come on to later on.
0: All right, thank you very much. Um, and now I'm really interested whether the IT works again. Sylvia, can you hear us and can we hear you?
9: Yeah. Hi, Mark. Can you hear me?
0: Wonderful, beautiful. Yes, absolutely. What's going on in Spain?
9: Thank you. Well, in Spain, the legal recommendation on telework continues, which means that whenever possible, companies must favor homework over work from office. This recommendation will be enforced until three months after the end of the alarm state, that is until next September the the 21, which is the last day of of the declaration of a stage of alarm in Spain. However, in practice, this legal recommendation to telework is coexisting in many cases with the implementation by some companies of internal protocols or measures aimed at, in a limited way and with respect for the corresponding health and safety measures, employees can progressively join their jobs in the in the office. The latter is largely due to the fact that although the state of alarm remains in force in Spain, at the same time, at this moment, all the autonomous communities here already are already in phase two or phase three of the, the escalation plan approved by the government, which has allowed greater freedom of movement for people and the partial opening of many shopping centres, restaurants, terraces, offices. And for all this reason, although the legal recommendation for telework remains, a return to offices and workplaces is taking place very slowly and in different stages. And that's basically the situation here in Spain.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Silvia. Uh, Being conscious of time, very few words um, um, on Germany um, from from myself. So, Due to the gradually relaxed regulations uh, by the German government, um, also in Germany many employers are bringing back their employees into the workplace in the coming weeks. Um, However, also here, when bringing back employees to the workplace, employers need to take a number of precautionary health and safety measures. Um, simultaneously at the same time, um, during the return to work, um, this is being still being combined with ongoing short-time work, um, which uh, still reaches absolute record highs. During the last three months, companies originally registered for 10.1 million workers for short-time work. Around uh, 71% of them were actually sent on short-time work. Um, and what we um, as, as lawyers see right now, and, and also reflect um, um, like that on in the press. Um, So, I think Germany is already absolutely in the middle of a restructuring process. So, the companies, um, in particular the automotive sector, has um, started um, to to, um, inform, consult with works councils, to negotiate with unions on um, partly really extensive um, mass layoffs. Tens of thousands um, um, redundant positions are being um, announced. So, there is more to come, I think, but uh, we are already pretty much in the middle of of, um, um, large-scale restructurings. All right, um, let's jump to the next topic. Um, um, When um, employees are being asked to return to work, um, is there a requirement to consult with employee representatives on return to office health and safety measures? And if so, how should this this process be implemented? Uh, Inge, what about Belgium?
7: Well, it's indeed the case for Belgium, because these health and safety measures that are set out by the employee handbook and possibly by the sector level protocols must be further implemented by individual companies. And each company will have to do a risk analysis. And in doing so, they will have to involve the internal and external health and safety service. And they will also have to inform and consult with the health and safety committee there is no health and safety committee, they have to turn to the trade unions or to the employees themselves. There are no strict rules about timing, but of course, in order to make the information and consultation useful, the procedure should start before any implementation of the measures. And also in order to sufficiently evaluate the measures, it's recommended to continue with the procedure as long as the measures last. It's also important that the employees feel sufficiently informed, because requiring an employee to attend the workplace where he or she is not reasonably believes that there is um, um, no health uh, risk, uh, that may lead to the employee to file a complaint with with the social inspectorate.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, Few topics um, and comments on, on Germany in that respect. So, um, well, in Germany, everybody um, um, who is in Germany knows that we do have the concept of a works council. And if you have a works council, the world looks completely different. So if a works council exists, it has far reaching rights of participation regarding health and safety matters. In particular, German law grants the right of a co-determination in respect to health protection in the context of statutory provisions or accident preventions. Um, The Works Council must be consulted on all inspections and investigations relating to occupational safety, such as the risk assessment of the workplace. Also, the Works Council must not only be consulted, an agreement needs to be reached if the return to work has other impacts on the business organization itself, like, for example, on the shift systems, the general principles, how the employees work together, working time principles, and so on. However, there is no standalone requirement for an employer to elect and appoint employee representatives such as works council members only to consult with them on the implementation of return to office health and safety measures. In case there is no works council, German labor law requires the employer to consult with the employees on all measures which may affect their safety and health. Such consultation obligation means more than only informing the employees about such measures, as the employer has to be open to take the employee's ideas and proposals into consideration. This should be noted in case there are any employees directly reaching out to the company's local management with respect to the requirements of the occupational safety and health standards or any other return to office health and safety measures. Finally, in case there are occupational safety and health specialists or occupational physicians at the offices, they have to be involved as well, regardless of the existence of a works council. Please note that it could also be helpful to coordinate the planned approach for the return to work with health and data protection authorities. Particularly errors in the processing of health data and other special types of personal data may lead to very high fines or even possible claims for for damages by affected employees. Such risks can be mitigated by prior consultation with the data protection supervisory authority. So that about germany um let us jump to a very specific question only um, um focused on, on the uk robbie you had mentioned whistleblowing before and when we discussed ahead of this call the whistleblowing topic all of us were very interested in, in in hearing um what is it about whistleblowing in the uk when returning back to work
8: thanks mark i i think that the the uh the risk of a whistleblowing claim in the uk is more acute than elsewhere because there is a lower bar um, for employees, for claimants to bring whistleblowing claims in the UK, so broadly speaking, they need to make a whistleblowing disclosure um, and that needs to be uh, something like a breach of a legal obligation. Uh, they need to have a genuine belief that the, the firm has, uh, has breached a legal obligation. That could just be its own internal policies and procedures and then it needs to suffer uh, a detriment as a result of making that whistleblowing disclosure. And that forms an uncapped claim in the UK. And I think that uh, in terms of the COVID-19 uh, period we're living through at the moment, there's there's really a trifecta of issues um, which lead to an increased risk. I think the first thing is people are incredibly worried. Um, the governments have obviously got people extremely concerned about their health. And extremely concerned about the steps and the adequacy of the steps that their employers are taking. So when people are watching the news every night they're getting more and more concerned. Um, the second point um, is that uh, is that peop- the, the economy is, is in trouble um people are taking that as a as a point that they may get dismissed um so they're they're concerned about their health and they're concerned as well about their financial livelihood, and I think the third measure that's about to come into play is employers trying to get going again uh, and trying to get people back into work. So I think if you if you put those three things together, if somebody's worried worried about their job and being asked to come back into the office and travel on the you know the, uh, London's um, underground, which has people you know back to back around each other. Um, you you could lead to people going to lawyers and saying, "You know how do I protect myself in the best way?" Um, and the easiest way for individuals to protect themselves is to is to make a whistleblowing disclosure, either that the, their employer is is breaching the health and safety requirements as we talked about, um, in terms of the risk assessments covering. Um, Government guidelines, or they're breaching some other legal obligation, Um, and we've already seen um, quite a lot of our clients facing collective grievances and and whistleblowing on this area. And it's something that trade unions are picking up on. Um, So I think, in terms of from the employer perspective, it's just going to be extremely important to cover, to properly cover um, the government guidance, and to be sensitive as employees come back to work.
0: That is indeed that is indeed very interesting. Thank you very much, Robbie. Um, Okay, jumping to the next um, um, topic, which is a wider one again, where um, each jurisdiction um, is going to comment on home office. Um, When when, when this um, 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 situation started and the crisis started and employees were sent home, I think nobody really thought this through, what that means, that suddenly all employees uh, have to work from home um and what um well uh, problems can occur now we are all wiser um but still um new questions come up when um, employees return to work. There was um one article in a um, um popular German newspaper just a few weeks ago, um more or less uh, with the topic who is going to pay for the extra water and the extra energy the employees have to pay for or might have to pay for because they are at home for a longer period of time. Something, well, it it wouldn't have never crossed my mind if I haven't read it. So that is one of those topics um, which are pretty new. Let's look at um, the various jurisdictions and listen, what are the main problems uh, you come across when it comes to home office? Robbie, why don't you start right away?
8: Yeah, I, I'm sure there's there's going to be many that that overlap, but the two I wanted to touch on uh, are wide ranging. One is is more from the legal side, which is which is confidentiality, and the second I'll touch on is is burnout. So in terms of confidentiality, I think this is something that that many of many employers looked at, but not um, as acutely because people would only work from home m- maybe one day a week or one day a month. So it, it wasn't as much. Now that employees are working from home all of the time i think it's worthwhile employers considering you know, how how is their confidential information protected um, and, and is it protected sufficiently unless they take certain steps um, obviously document extraction is, is going to be much easier um, for employees who are who are working from home in terms of steps we've seen employers take i think it's worthwhile looking at your confidential confidentiality policy um, and and the contractual documents which, which set confidential um, obligation, confidentiality obligation on your employees, and make sure they're wide enough, um, to cover homeworking. Um, secondly, make sure those in the firm are aware of the standards that it, that's expected of them. Um, for example, use of social media, um, you know, use of um, social media apps such as House Party. Um, you know are, are are not great for for data protection. So are they using that for work or not? What are the standards? Um, you know, for certainly for, for uh, from our perspective, we've got a, a whatsapp chat amongst the employment team at Anu in London, but we're not allowed to discuss work in that whatsapp chat. so it's worth setting the boundaries. Um, thirdly, uh, conduct a risk assessment of of the working locations, um things such as, If you're sharing a house, um, employees could be supplied headsets. Um, They should be supplied guidance in terms of what steps that they should take to protect confidential information. What do they do when they print information? How do they shred it? Um, These sort of measures. Um, Also look at bring your own device policies, uh, as in are they now fit for purpose um, or should you be issuing uh, firm uh, mobiles where you can extract the data a lot more easily uh, and also look at what extra measures to put in place if somebody either resigns or is terminated um, you know what are the measures going to look like whenever you're not physically with the employee at that point point? Um, and it's also worth reading the ICO guidance um, on home working data security and wrapping that all up um, and then and then reviewing what you have. In terms of burnout, um, there's been um, homeworking guidance uh, from ACAS, and really a big theme that employers are thinking is not just the physical health of their employees, um, but also the mental health, um, and that's part and parcel of the of the government guidance that we've seen issued to date as well. Uh, things to think about are, you know, regular check-ins. Um, what employee assistant programs do you have um, in terms of confidential counselling, private health measures, um, making sure that employees know how to access that, uh, making sure you use HR, make sure you train your line managers on mental health, um, something that we're certainly doing at A&O, Um, have staff surveys, um, see how staff are doing on on an anonymous basis, uh, and just uh, generally monitoring the hours and how employees are working uh, and make sure they're looked after from a remote perspective.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Robbie. In particular, the burnout thing, I think it's not only legal, but also,
8: well, um, the employer has to take care of its employees, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that, uh, that employers are really looking at, Mark. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, necessarily so.
0: Okay. Um, all right. Gilles, um, what about Luxembourg? What are the main topics you're currently discussing when it comes to uh, working from home?
6: yeah thanks mark so other than the tax and the social security point i mentioned earlier on um, we have a big debate around uh, whether homeworking should become an acquired right for employees or whether it can even become an obligation in in some instances let me maybe explain a little bit further we have today the situation that uh, from a statutory point of view remote working only becomes an acquired right for employees once it is regular and continues. We took the position that in the framework of COVID-19, given the specific circumstances, there was of course no regularity or at least no continuous character of uh, remote working. And the expectation when the, co- the confinement started was that it may be relatively short and that people would go back to the office and do remote working every uh, two months, uh, as, as Robbie has mentioned uh, just a minute ago. Now. Um, Obviously after two or three months of remote working, people have actually noted that it works better than expected and so there is today um, a bit of a request from employees and from trade unions that remote working becomes an acquired right for everyone. So not only for for those who, as as from the beginning, have a contractual right to continuous remote working, but even for, 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 let's say, any random employee. And uh, at the same time, companies seem to be a little bit reluctant to uh, open up remote working only upon the employee's request. And at the same time, a number of companies would actually want to have the flexibility themselves to oblige employees to work remotely from time to time, if it can arrange them in reducing their office space. So a lot of conflicting interests in there, uh, a lot of also a parliamentary proposition on it, and it will be very interesting to see uh, where this debate brings us. My best guess will be that the employees' rights regarding remote working will increase over the next months.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree on that absolutely, and I think that's a discussion um, um, which is not only acute in Luxembourg, but but in, in I, I assume uh, most of all the other jurisdictions as well. Um, Brian, uh, taking the next step uh, back, uh, jump to, to the U.S. Um, how about in 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 the U.S.
4: Yes, yeah, thanks, Mark. So some some issues in the U.S. are going to be very similar to to those in Europe and in Asia. But there's some particular US issues in relation to remote working that I want to raise. The first is a federal issue in relation to uh, wage and hour and overtime issues. Employers need to ensure that they are monitoring employees' working time so there's no breach of the Federal uh, Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, And then two other issues arise just by nature of there being different states in the US. Uh, And the first is a tax issue that uh, telecommuting could, uh, in a different state, could give an employer a presence for tax purposes in that state. So there may be, for instance, an employer that's based in California, and they're fine for an employee to work from New Mexico, but that might mean that that employer is then, has a tax presence in New Mexico. And what that would mean is that the employer is then subject to state payroll tax registration and corporate income tax, and that employee was subject to tax withholding in that state. And this is particularly relevant apart from the administrative burden, is that state taxes vary widely within the US. So you might be in a jurisdiction with no state tax, such as Florida or Texas, but telecommuting would have a, a large economic impact on both the employer and the employee. And the second issue I wanted to raise in relation to states in the US, it relates to choice of law, and why I really think, given um, the rise in telecommuting, it's important for employers in the US to have governing law as part of their employment agreement. And that's because if you don't have governing law in your agreement, and let's say the employer is based in New York, um, and their employee wants to work from home from California, that employee might may say that their agreement is governed by California law, which is much more pro-employee than in other states. So what telecommunity may give rise to is a battle uh, between which is the appropriate law um, and uh, having a governing law in your in your agreement can assist in that, um, in that determination.
0: Thanks, Brian. Very interesting. Um, Sylvia, looking at Spain again. Uh, what kind of difficulties are, are you currently facing when when it comes to home office or returning back to work? Oh, I T issues again. Sylvia, so, yeah, can you hear us? Can you hear me? We cannot hear you.
9: Okay. Right. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Following what I commented when talking about how the return to work in Spain was progressing. Uh, When internally regulating the return to work and and the work from home, here companies are preparing themselves to properly combine that necessary return to work with the general rule of the preferential nature of teleworking until next september 2001 and with respect to that is is only is only important to to say that um, it's important that anything that has to do with teleworking uh, should respect the right to information and participation of the of the legal representation of the employees within the company and i would add one last point and is that as a consequence of what has happened in recent months the government is now negotiating with the social agents in Spain, the large companies, associations and the main unions, a new law to regulate teleworking, which is absolutely genuine in Spain and will undoubtedly have a considerable impact on the organization of work within companies in the near future because uh, right now, we have a very, very limited legislation on on teleworking here and and this is now the the most relevant thing.
0: Thank you very much, Sylvia. Inge, what about Belgium? How does it look like there?
7: Well, in Belgium, one of the relevant questions when working from home is uh, what the employer's duty of care is to provide a safe workplace when the employees are not working in the office but are working from home. And in fact, um, in such case, employers do not have the same level of duty uh, of care uh, uh, to provide for a safe workplace when the employee is not working in the office but but, uh, when the employee is working at home. However, in the context of structural telework and structural telework, this means that the telework occurs on a regular basis as opposed to an occasional basis. in in, with respect to structural telework employers have a specific duty to make sure that employees who work from home do not get isolated from the rest of the workforce so they must take uh, specific measures and in particular they must for example allow employees to remain in contact with their uh, colleagues and and to take certain initiatives to to make sure that there is no isolation and in case of structural tailor there is also an obligation to provide for the necessary equipment. Now, however, in this context uh, of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, the Minister of Work has taken the view that tailor which is due to COVID-19, will be considered as occasional tailor work and not structural tailor work for the time being. And this means that there is no strict obligation in the framework of occasional telework for the employer to provide specific equipment, nor is there an obligation to reimburse costs, but it must be clear to parties what has been agreed. Of course, the longer uh, the teleworking takes, uh, the more questions could arise whether this is still an occasional telework or if this has become structural telework, in which case these additional uh, conditions uh, will apply. In any event, it is considered to be good practice to provide the employee with sufficient information to guide them on well-being when working from home. And in that context, it is important to note that an accident that happens to the employee while he's working from home will also be considered as a work accident and will thus be covered by the work accident insurance.
0: Thank you very much, Inge. Uh, Livio, um, any
3: specific problems regarding home office in Italy? Thank you, Mark. What we are seeing is um, an issue related to the monitoring working time because, uh, obviously, before the lockdown, working was not so common in Italy so therefore now the companies had to face a big challenge because as Gilles for example mentioned before many people are understanding now that working from home is is a good option also for them so the companies had to face with this challenge how because obviously for for many employers and we are seeing an increase in increasing interest of employer to understand how it is possible more monitoring the working time, because obviously it is no longer possible, at least during this period, the physical uh, control of the people in the the office. So it must be clear that it remains in Italy, as uh, in other countries, the um, prohibition to check and control the working activity in an intensive way, so for example via camera or other tools. However, since it is more difficult to have a direct control on the work done by the employees, also in terms, for example, of quality and correctness of the duties, In this respect, we are assisting many clients in implementing policies, because during the lockdown, uh, in the emergency period in Italy, it was possible to implement homeworking even in lack of a policy or even in lack of an agreement. And this was an issue because obviously uh, the the, the homeworking was de facto not regulated. So implementing policies is very important to monitor, for example, working time, we um, normally suggest to include some obligation um, for, the, for the employee to deliver daily report of the activities, to connect every day at a fixed time to one of the IT platform in order to show, for example, their progress in certain um, projects and so on, use a specific access code and password to check in and check out the starting and the end of the daily activity. Obviously, um, the the, the people working from home in Italy, in general, are not entitled to overtime unless specifically agreed otherwise between the parties. But this situation obviously shows that some rules uh, must be implemented by the government if the um, home working will continue to be successful also after the lockdown. Thank you, Mark.
0: Thank you very much, Livy. Very interesting, Livio. Um, um, being conscious of time, um, Arnold, uh, what about the Netherlands as the final jurisdictions on this topic?
2: Well, I'll be very short. Just touching on what uh, Jill said on, on Luxembourg: on do I, do employees actually have the right to work from home? Um, in the Netherlands, I think you have to bifurcate between two periods. So until at least September one, the government's recommendation is for all staff to work from home as much as possible, and. If you translate that legally employees can then in our view also demand to work from home if the nature of the work allows for it but after september 1 the situation changes on the dutch law employees can make a formal request to work from home uh, six months ahead uh, but employers only have a duty to consider this and that threshold is very low uh, but come september some employees will have successfully worked from home for six months it will be quite interesting to see if courts uh, actually, require a higher threshold for employers to meet uh, to, to reject the uh, the request to work from home. So, that very much in short, Mark, considering them. Thank you very much, uh, Arnold.
0: Um, all right, I think um, the one hour passed by extremely quickly, so we have two more minutes to go. And I think we should make uh, use of the fact that Susanna is also here uh, from China. Um, who is um, quite ahead of us um, with regard to return to work and, and, um, and what risks and, and measures, etc one has to face as an employer. Um, Susanna, maybe can you share some experience with us? What can we expect and what can we learn from China going forward? Um, when you are speaking, you are on mute, Susanna.
5: Uh Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I think uh, um, on, on this question, I, I really wish I could have like a crystal ball so that uh, we know what uh, could have happened. Uh, to a certain extent, I think uh, a number of things in China were driven by government policy. But uh, uh, it is also important to to note that uh, businesses in China during this period uh, should be more open-minded in responding to uh, the changing landscape and act very quickly. Um, well, I think uh, we all. Uh, uh, agree that like uh, traditionally China is a place where people like to have like face to face meeting physical meeting is the norm. With COVID nineteen, there is a, like an overnight change. It changed to like a world of remote everything. So people are responding very quickly, and then they do uh, observe social distancing things like that very rapidly. And that's uh, one of the things that we observe amazingly for for, for China. Uh, Going forward, uh, I think uh, businesses should regularly review their contingency plan. Uh, take a personal example, Uh, I am based in Hong Kong with my employment team in China. Uh, Last week, an instruction came through the door, uh, which required me to travel to different cities in China to do on-site termination negotiation. However, if I were to to travel to China, I would be subject to mandatory self-quarantine requirement in China as well as in Hong Kong. So having a team in China enabled me to mobilize uh, members to travel uh, within China to execute the work. Uh, this is a very good example um, that how contingency and backup plan can work efficiently. So it is important for businesses and HR petitioners to work on a plan so that in case there is a second wave of widespread um, of virus or uh, strict travel bans again, Uh, people can be more effectively in deploying um, the the manpower to cater for their business needs. Um, Well, talking to like a good number of contexts, one general observation is that people uh, place a higher degree of importance on medical benefits. In the new normal world, perhaps uh, as a Talent uh, retention measure. A good medical insurance plan would be uh, with very good like uh, coverage would make a big difference in terms of attracting talents. Uh, last but not uh, least, uh, with the uncertainty in terms of uh, the economy, perhaps there will be a shift of employment model. Mandatory remote working for some selected position which do not really need to be in the office or consultancy arrangement may be the way to go. Thank you, Mark.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Susanna. Um, There are certainly a lot of issues employers need to consider carefully when reintegrating the workforce. And for those of us on this side of the world, I'm sure it is very comforting to hear your perspective. So thank you very much, Susanna. So, time's up. Um, um, it's even two past three CET. Uh, thank you very much for that. On behalf of the Global Employment Team, we thank you very much for giving us your time today. Allow me one further final comment. Um, I hope that each one of you has received our Global Return to Work Survey, which covers, um, if I remember correctly, 28 jurisdictions. So. Um, Feedback was really good and and I hope it helps a lot. I was just informed that um, we will um, do another round of that so you can expect to receive an updated version in the course of next week. If you have not received it so far, um, send me an email and I will make sure that you are put on the list. Um, So with that, thank you very much again for your time. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach any one of us. And we send our very best wishes to you, to your families and to your colleagues. Stay healthy and goodbye. Thank you very much.